This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, June the 12th. I'm your host, D.A., and the fallout continues after Kevin Durant's injury. The Warriors and Raptors have at least one more game to play in the NBA Finals, perhaps two, but everybody just wants to talk about the Kevin Durant injury and just how that altered free agency this offseason, the league, this series, and everything else. So let's start with the Bull and Fox show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland as they were joined by the Ringers NBA analyst Ryan Rossillo. Now, some people want to blame the Warriors training staff. Others want to blame Kevin Durant for pushing back too quickly. Others want to blame pressure from the Warriors organization. Is there a bad guy in the Kevin Durant saga? Here's Rossillo. Obviously, everybody's looking for somebody to blame for what happened with Kevin Durant. Uh, what's your take on this? Do you want to blame somebody like everybody else, or are you not interested in that? Uh, I'm not really that interested in it. Um, I think in this this movement of player empowerment, it's been really cool because players used to get beat up on all the time. People were really selfish about it. The media was very anti-player growing up, and now it's shifted so far the other way that we want to act like these guys are exploited at every single turn. Um, Durant, if he wanted to come back and play, the dude's a 30-year-old guy, and he can come back and play. The idea that the Golden State lied to him about an Achilles injury for their own benefit, you just you don't know the Warriors if that's what you're saying. If you watch Bob Myers and you think that that was some contrived fake tear thing, then you don't know Bob Myers. I know Bob Myers, and this dude's a real dude. He's not a phony. So the whole thing sucks. It's incredibly unfortunate. You don't even have to be – you could hate the Warriors. You could dislike Durant for his decision three years ago. But there has to be some level of sympathy that you feel for this guy and almost, I would say, admiration for a dude that was like, you know what, we're down 3-1. I want to go out there and try to win this thing for this team and my teammates, despite all the nonsense you know, that's gone on, some of it real, some of it not real over the last year or so with all the drama. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a trainer. I think that that's Bob Myers going, you know, we told this guy he was good. We felt yeah. good about it. We were all collectively on the same page. And then the worst-case scenario thing happens, and I thought that was real emotion last night. Ryan, I agree with you. I think you were spot on with your comments. I agree with everything you just said there. I'm annoyed that everybody wants to pile on. I'm I'm generally a player, pro player, anti owner sure. guy, but yeah. like this idea that the Warriors are to blame because Durant got hurt is ridiculous. It's I, I don't know. Nobody needs to be the bad guy in this situation. It's just unfortunate, as you say. I think it's perfect. No bad guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like Durant, like some of the stuff that I see and. I think, like, sometimes football players, like, football players don't have as much power, you know, especially if you're a non-quarterback. And, yeah, when it's a team doctor, I can understand their motivation here. But, you know, this guy's staring at a huge free agency paycheck. Golden State wants to keep him. They've been told all year they're probably not going to be able to keep him. I think they were kind of resigned to the fact of losing him. I don't know how much this changes it. It could, but I just, 
you know, never, the world is not as evil as people try to make it out to be. See, people wake up every day trying to find out how everyone's keeping them down. And it's like, look, some stuff's really screwed up. But it's, it's not this, like, to find ways to feel like someone is, is wrong must be exhausting. And that's what I feel like happens in moments like these. Right. What do you think ultimately happens here? Does this, does this injury make it more likely for him to return to Golden State and, and them offer him a max deal? Does he opt in uh, to, to his option or does he leave? It was a slim chance he was coming back uh, based on everything that I had heard. And, you know, we know that this thing can be weird and things can change and the way you feel on, um, you know, in February can, can be different in July. I mean, look at Kyrie's a perfect example of that. So, you know, when I think about the, the decision ahead of him here, I still think other teams with four-year maximum. I really do. It's that hard to get free agents. I mean, think about the Knicks, who a few weeks ago were thinking, we're going to get Zion, Kyrie, and Durant, and it's now R.J. Barrett. Kyrie's going to go across the street, and now Durant blew out his Achilles. <laughs> so yeah. I, I really think that it changes things as far as Golden State being able to pitch it a different way, saying, we will take care of you. Would they give him the fifth year? Would they do any of those things? I think Golden State's pitch was going to be more about going, hey, why don't we see what the landscape is here before you already pack up and go out the door because you might end up going to New York by yourself if all these other dominoes fall in different places. I think it's impossible to know if there is a bad guy. I think that that's a symptom of modern American society looking for the bad guy in every situation, looking for somebody to blame. Perhaps there is nobody to blame. Now, was there internal pressure within the organization, maybe within that locker room, to get back out there and play for Kevin Durant since the calf injury seemed mysterious at this point in time and that other guys were playing hurt? Yeah, I think that that's in play. I think that when Andre Iguodala is playing hurt and Clay Thompson comes back from an injury and Kevon Looney comes back from an injury, there's no doubt there's going to be internal pressures, whether that's perceived or real, that Kevin Durant should be back out there, and maybe he succumbed to that. But in terms of a bad guy, unless the Warriors medical staff told him he was good to go and he wasn't, unless Bob Myers told Kevin Durant they he absolutely needs to be on the floor, I can't see there really being a bad guy in this scenario. It's just unfortunate. Now, with Kevin Durant's injury, as we discussed briefly yesterday, the question becomes in free agency, do you sign him? Do you sign him knowing he's not going to play next year? And do you sign him knowing that maybe he's not the same guy after the injury? Here's FS1's Chris Broussard, who joined WFA in New York with Joe and Evan as Kevin Durant's injury has plenty of Knicks fans scared and perhaps the Knicks front office as well. How does this affect the free agency now coming up in, in, in the NBA? I mean, this is huge. It's huge for everybody. Obviously, the first thing team you think of after Golden State is the Knicks. Right, right. And now, look, nothing's written in stone. We'll see what happens. But right now, it looks like Kyrie is out. Like, he's all in on Brooklyn. That's what you're starting to hear around the league. Obviously, there have been reports about that. I know Kyrie grew up in the same town I've lived in, uh, in West Orange. And uh, he grew up a Nets fan. So right now it looks like he may be there when everybody's been thinking KD and Kyrie to the Knicks. Now, the first question for the Knicks with KD is does he become a free agent? Because remember, he, he had the option. So he could, with him likely out for next season because we think there's going to be a torn Achilles, 
uh, he could just opt into his contract, stay in Golden State one more year, do like $32 million, and then become a free agent in 2020 and get a big, you know, get the big deal then uh, rather than starting that deal now. Uh, and, and ultimately it would be less money over the four years, four or five years. So he may not even be on the market anymore. But if he is, I still think teams, are going to pony up and offer him the full mm. max four years, $140 million. Look, we know what an Achilles is. Do you really, the only guy you can really point to who's come back from that to kind of reach his pre-injury stature is Dominique Wilkins. And that's a good one to look at. You know, he, he was an athletic player, and he resumed that after his injury. The thing about KD is this. His build, you know, you, you see big guys have trouble returning from this, but those are typically heavy guys. Durant's build would make you think, okay, it's not going to destroy him because he's a thin guy and all that. And then his game, that jump shot, that release from seven feet in the air, which nobody can block, that's not going to go away with this Achilles injury. So I think he still will be able to come back and be incredibly effective after he returns from the injury. So I think, and I think a lot of people around the league feel the same way. So that's why they'll pony up the max deal for him. But as you guys know, if he were, let's say he comes to the Knicks, let's mm. say they offer him the max, it would just be so in line with the history. Oh, are you where, kidding right, me? Right? Oh, right? my God. <laughs> I mean, you get Chris, these big-game players, and they, they get them past their prime, so hopefully that doesn't happen well, if KD goes let me Let me just say this, because I just I don't know if you know where I stand on this. I was already shaky with Durant coming to the Knicks. I'm scared. Even before? Yes. Even before oh, yeah. Of course. Injury? Yeah, because this now, guy— you, he, you mean shaky in that you didn't think he was coming, or you don't know that you want him? I don't know that I want him, because he's, he's 31 years old, okay? He's a guy that's very sensitive. He's going to have tremendous pressure here in New York— and, and and here's the other thing. As this is me as a Nick fan, and you know, I go back to Richie Garen and Willie Knowles. I mean, I'm a hundred years old, Chris. Right. You know the deal, okay? Here's the thing: if this guy comes here, uh, relevance isn't enough. And you get a guy like Kevin Durant. I want to win a championship. I mean, it's only been since 1973. You know, I, I don't want the Ewing. I don't want the Ewing years again. Where you know, with one brutal playoff loss after another. I think when the dust settles on this, unless we find out that the severity of this injury is career-threatening, I think there's going to be plenty of teams, maybe even the Knicks, that still line up for his services. And while it's scary right now, you have to try to bet on, if you're a front office, acquiring superstar talent to win a championship. We've seen it time and again in the modern NBA. And Kevin Durant is that. And so there's always a roll of the dice with every free agent signing. But I think when the dust settles and cooler heads prevail, I think going out there and trying to sign Kevin Durant with the assumption he's going to be back to close to what KD was before the injury is what most GMs, if not all GMs and owners, will fall back on. I don't think he's going to lose a lot of options on the open market. Tonight is Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. How magical is that, knowing that it's a winner-take-all for the Stanley Cup in Boston between the Bruins and the Blues. And one of the crazy stories of this spring and now early summer is Zidane Chara playing with a fractured jaw. This guy is all guts and breaks his jaw and still can come out and play for the Bruins. Their longtime captain showing unbelievable toughness. 
Here's NBC Sports commentator Jeremy Roenick, an all-time hockey great, who joined WGR in Buffalo, 550's The Instigators. You blew us off last week for a round of golf, which we always find appropriate, but we wanted to talk to you about broken jaws because you're no stranger to a broken jaw. Are you surprised that Chara played, and are you surprised how well he's been able to play with this broken jaw? Um, no, I'm not surprised because I think Zdeno is, he, he, I still consider him old school. You know, he played uh, in our era and played, in, you know, the type of game that, uh, that's always been a tough physical and has a, has a pride and a respect for the game. Obviously, we know he's one of the best leaders that there has been in the game for a long time. Um, and it's his job. Like I said, if you can, if you can breathe, um, then you can play. Not, you're not using your face for anything, but uh, but yelling and squawking. Um, uh, you know, I I played with it, uh, you know, 20 years ago and uh, found it a little bit, I think, a little scary. But once you get that first hit, you fall, you fall right back into it. So, you know, everybody says, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a you know big pride thing. I think you would have done it. Riv would have done it. You know, yeah, but but the, but you don't need to get hit in the jaw. That jarring feeling when you hit, like because this naturally you clinch your jaw down. You know when, when you're you out there have? playing. Would you, get, would you rather get hit in the jaw and feel pain and feel all that stuff? Or would you rather lift the Stanley Cup above your head? What would you rather do? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'll get you back know during to that the one. you know what I same thing during the season. You're going to take your time. You're you're going to heal the jaw. Um, but this is this is the Stanley Cup Finals. This is, I mean, how you many there was players? No way he was playing. I I, I was very shocked when uh, you know he he came back and played with the broken jaw because you know obviously there's some some pain to it. There's uh, extreme discomfort. He can't even talk, um, and it's it, it's certainly not easy. I mean, I mean, I don't know how you play with a broken jaw. You you get that hit again, you're going to be in extreme pain, but. At this point in time, I just don't think there's any choice. These guys are programmed. There's no choice. There's no choice. Yeah. Well, here's another. Here's another outlook. Like we, Char is on the on the verge of being 42 years old. Uh, we don't know whether he is actually going to play again next year. So, with that being said, only only Char knows what you know what this future re- uh, you know has in front of him. And you know he's he has lost a couple steps. I mean, you can tell he, you know he struggles a little bit out there at times. Still playing good hockey, but if this is his last year and his last opportunity, he thinks maybe to raise that cup. You you play through anything that's not you know hampering you from you know from getting from place to place. You know, with Jaws, you know Jaws especially. How do you possibly put into words how tough that is? I mean, nobody ever would call Kevin Durant soft for coming out there and rolling up his Achilles, but. This was a calf injury, and there were knee injuries or elbow injuries in the NBA playoffs keeping guys out. Here is a fractured jaw. Fractured jaw. And he comes out and plays one of the most physical sports that we have and does it at the highest level in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, the toughness that Zdeno Chara has exuded amongst this injury is second to none, and it is such a hockey player mentality where – if you're not dead, you're supposed to be playing. Sew it up and let me go out there, coach. In Boston, there's Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, and there's the David Ortiz shooting from Sunday. And now there's international papers that are reporting that David Ortiz 
has a mistress in the Dominican Republic who's married to a drug lord and that the drug lord issued the hit on David Ortiz. Crazy stories coming out of the Dominican about this. Here's Mutt and Callahan on WEEI in Boston, along with Jermaine Wiggins. There are plenty of details being uh, spun on the streets right now that we mm-hmm. can't go with. But Replace David Ortiz with Tom Brady, and this salacious affair would be on the front page of the Boston Globe. Of course, but but you know you get what you would you expect. I mean, this is what you expect yes. from the Globe. They're never going to give you that motive, which is out there, which is in the Daily Mail. But I don't Mail. think they can give you that mode, motive. But Daily Mail is the only place where I've seen that that actually is said. And I don't think they can give you that until they have uh, some concrete evidence that I'll proves bet you it. they never give you that, that motive. Money um, or women? I mean, because... One of those two. Or both. How about because both, Because if they arrest a guy, and you know, I don't even know how it works in the Dominican, he takes a plea. He pleads mm-hmm. guilty to whatever. Does the motive ever come out in court? I mean, maybe this drug kingpin never gets charged with hiring the killer. Well, if there's some paperwork, if there was, uh, you know, a, a major purchase along the line here, maybe yeah, it's that the, becomes the, part I of the doubt, evidence. I doubt it's highly. There's there's no paper trail. If it's a drug dealer, he paid a guy a couple bucks. They got a dirty burner there, a dirty gun. It's you know, they're down in the dr. It's hey, listen. You know what? He shoots him. Now, like Jerry said, is this guy going to, the shooter, is the shooter going to roll over and say, hey, so-and-so paid me, you know, $1,000 to to shoot David Ortiz, and so-and-so is uh, Jimmy, the biggest drug dealer in the Dominican Republic. He's big. Jimmy's huge down there. Right. So, I mean, is he going to do that, or is he going to just... We have, we, is he going to be a rat? We have, we have pictures of him. We have pictures of him. We have all kinds of details that uh, haven't yet to go public. Will Correct. they? Will they? Will they? Will this... Will this all become clear okay, to you've, everybody? You've seen some of the pictures and details, right? Now, if, if you go on Twitter, you can see some of this as well. Videos, etc. Manga. Who? who? <laughs> the video from the hospital. Who reports this, Jerry? Who reports it? The Daily Mail or the Post. That's it. New York Post. I don't even okay. know if the New York Post. I think It is not going to be the Boston Globe. It won't no. be the Herald. It won't be WEEI.com. It won't be CNN. It won't be none of those. It, Maybe it's be... Jermaine Wiggins, Inc. Maybe you go to the I streets tell you what, and get some the, stories. The Fox News is down there. They did uh. a big report. Uh, didn't include Ortiz, but from the resorts where people are dropping like flies, uh, Americans yeah. are dying, and they went to the resorts, and they approached the president of the Dominican yesterday, stuck a mic in his face. What do you say to the families of the people who are dying at your resorts? And he blew them off, but one of his sidekicks, some billionaire resort owner, did an interview, and he blamed it on open bars like uh, all inclusives. I mean, thank goodness Ortiz is okay, but if this is true, if these reports coming from the Daily Mail, if these reports coming from the Dominican Republic are true, and David Ortiz was warned by acquaintances that, hey, you're messing with the wife of a drug lord, don't do this, then you wonder what David Ortiz was thinking. I mean, how how could you possibly mess with a woman of a drug kingpin knowing that Death is right around the corner anyway. I mean, Ortiz was an amazing October clutch hitter. Ortiz is one of the greats in in Red Sox history. He's a beloved figure amongst the Red Sox, the city of Boston, and the Dominican Republic. But that's a really bad decision. That's a super bad decision. Really, really, maybe the worst decision of all time. I mean, when it goes down in history as worst baseball decisions ever, that's right up there. I mean, with, with the Red Sox selling Babe Ruth, it's right there.
Grady Little leaving Pedro in is just a blip on the radar compared to David Ortiz messing around with a drug kingpin's wife. Allegedly. We find out that the Raiders are going to be the team of choice for HBO's Hard Knocks. Uh-oh. We know our correspondents on the ground for the Antonio Brown saga have always been 93-7, a fan of Pittsburgh, and their morning show. So why don't we check in and see what they're talking about. Will the Raiders and Hard Knocks become the A-B show? Here's my fear, though. This sounds like a great idea on the surface. Sounds like it's going to be really, really, really good. That it starts off A-B, and then A-B, and we all know, and Jim, we've been up to camp and everywhere else, right? A-B kind of has his own crew and his own people that there ends up being kind of a infighting, not infighting, but a kind of a, a tug of war between AB's camera people, HBO's camera people. AB is okay with all of it at the very beginning, and then he kind of goes and hides from the HBO people. And it's not as much AB as we want it to be. Oh, that's my big fear here. Well, the, 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 there's no... That his access is really only at the facility. There's like, no lack of storylines, though, with this team either. I mean, AB is obviously the cherry on top of the Sunday, but yeah... I mean, Gruden and Mayock, perfect. In, Richie Incognito, right? Oh no, no. I mean, I they're a it. total three-ring circus now. But AB is at the center. He ring. is the yeah. cell. This is going to be. But my, rem- my that's my only fear. My only fear is it's not going to be as much AB as we initially think on the surface because he's going to like have enough of it. You know what else? He's going to want to. He's going to want to distribute AB material through AB channels. We won't see Ed Chapo, right? right? Apparently, he's, he's fire. He's out of the picture. Apparently, real unceremoniously too. They didn't just, even have a Last Supper. They just stopped tagging him, <laughs> right? It's just done. Yeah, I haven't seen any food lately on that either. But you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, like there's a couple of guys like his guys that I've been seeing at training camp over the last several years to see if it's the same guys or if he's changed that crew as well. You know, like his like you mentioned his video guy and. And who are whatever other kind of he guys. Just, he just runs through people. He runs through people so quickly. Well, that's how he has all those kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. He put it on a tee. Um, Rough and ready. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, well, I mean, I'm here for all of it. I, I want to see how Mayock and how – I want to see how Gruden is overwhelmed. Because I think that the personalities may overwhelm Gruden. As much as he's a personality of his own accord right. and all that, I think that these personalities coming together may overwhelm him. And I want to see Carr and how he is able to try to – it's going to be like herding cats. Yes. Go ahead and good luck. When he's just – he's going to just try to play football. That's the other thing about camp that's going to be amazing to me. That I don't think Carr understands, like, these guys aren't going to just no, there's gonna leave be, this drama at the door and go th- play football. Th- there will be 19 different reality shows right, going on at right, the same right, time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and Derek Carr is going to be trying to, like, bring a huddle together. Like, I think hey, he's guys, under um, the impression. Camp starts. Everybody checks all they got going on in their no. life at the door. They walk out on the football field or whatever. No, it continues and infiltrates all of that. It's 24-7. Uh, and wait till perfect hits their car, right? Or Richie Incognito gets yes. in somebody's face, or it's it's got the makings of just the most combustible thing we've ever been lucky enough to witness on television. I wonder if the Steelers will be boring in a way. You know, we we'll give you that. Um, I'm already getting that sense. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, for the show's sake, eh. yeah. For personal sake, I'm totally okay with it. For the show's sake, I wish there was somebody that was. 
kind of it's somebody who's easily disposable that would do something really dumb. We need Artie, we need Artie Burns to do something stupid. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm, I'm fully on board with Artie Burns doing something dumb. Or Bud and Dupree. Hopefully Artie Burns can do that something dumb between like July now and July. What is it? Twenty eighth uh, before they have to pay him that roster bonus. <laughs> Um. Well, what? He's already done a lot. I mean, he, he doesn't get in the game. I mean, he's already no. done a lot of things that are, you know, iffy, and particularly not covering anybody that's <laughs> potentially trying to catch a pass. That seems to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> if Antonio Brown wants to be charming and win over the cameras and fans, he can do so. He has that ability. But if the real AB starts seeping out and he's fighting with the coaching staff about plays being run – if he looks detached or aloof from the team or the huddle, if he's bickering about the quarterback overthrowing him, maybe he's got a problem with Derek Carr, it's going to be a real bad scene. And I just think the Raiders, with us really looking at the inside of the Raiders, is not going to end well for the Raiders. Whether it's Gruden or Mayock or Incognito or A.B. or Carr or Mark Davis, there's so many different personalities that will make for interesting copy. But I think we're going to be a little disappointed with what we're seeing in the middle of there. Not disappointed that it's not entertaining, but like, whoa, how is this organization trying to be non-dysfunctional in any way? Because everything seems to be totally dysfunctional. And finally, Women's World Cup. The U.S. destroys Thailand 13-0 in their first match of the tournament. They were also celebrating with all those late goals in a massive blowout, the most goals ever scored by a men or women's team in the World Cup. So here is 97.1, the ticket in Detroit with Jamie and Stoney. Did they do anything like um, at the end of uh, Jerry Maguire? Show me the Rod Tidwell jumps up into the stands, you know, and that was a big celebration. That was a big celebration. Did they um, did they mimic pulling their pants down and wiping their butts on oh the goalposts? Did no. they do that? No, they didn't do any. Did uh, they do any like like a wheelbarrow races any. where one woman was walking on her hands, the other woman was like? They didn't. They no, didn't, they, they, didn't, didn't. they didn't pay homage to Brandy Chastain and her whip off their shirts exactly. and show their sports bras. No. Okay, and the fact that they scored thirteen goals, yeah, they ran it up a little bit, but you know what? It's the World Cup. It's, you know, goal differential matters when it comes to tiebreakers getting out of a round. So, whatever. They, they, okay. they kick their ass. I don't have a problem with Here's it. Here's a great quote. This is from Canadian analyst Kalen Kyle. Okay? This is on TSN in Canada. They're the number one team in the world. And for me, I'm disgusted, honestly. You're going up against a team that's their first time in the World Cup, which technically is not true. They're just happy to be there. I'm embarrassed. I was a female professional athlete. And this, to me, is the money line of it all. There are kids watching this. Oh, yes, Caitlin. What a horrible example to young girls everywhere to watch women having great success on the soccer field and enjoying it. And being proud of what they're accomplishing. How dare they? How dare they? I mean... These these women train for years and years to get to the World Cup. I mean... And, and unfortunately, because of the way the sports world works, and I, you know, I don't apologize for this. This is just the fact of the matter is that most people don't ever watch them play. I know occasionally team USA will come to Michigan and maybe I know they played at Ford field Mm -hmm. and for young soccer players, it's a great opportunity. That's awesome. More power to them. And the money, sometimes the games are on television, 
But nobody really watches, and by nobody I mean most people don't really watch until the World Cup. Yeah. So this is your one time to watch. Yes, of course I know who Alex Morgan is. I know she's a idol to a lot of young soccer players everywhere. But you get to see them once every four years. And so this is their showcase. I mean, this is their time to shine. Right. It would be like in, a, in, a, in the Olympics if like a pole vaulter had already won the gold. And it's like, oh, but she's going for a world record. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Way to run it up. No, I mean, yes, that's that's when you do these things. That's when you do your best. That's when you score 13 goals. I mean, maybe you don't do it in a friendly, but you do it on the greatest stage your sport has to offer you. First game, Dream Team, 1992. Final score, United States 116, Angola 48. There's children watching, Stoney. That's embarrassing. How dare you? How dare they? I mean, they got... Now, the one thing I didn't under, I don't understand, and I think I know the answer to this, like I was, you know, there's a lot of people on this roster, you know, why don't you just, you know, put in the reserves? I think you're only allowed three substitutions in a soccer game without, unless there's an injury. Well, then maybe they shouldn't start other good players. <laughs> like, so it's not like, it's not like, because a lot of times you get upset when they, in some sports where they do run up the score, you know, clear the benches. You can't do that in soccer. If you're just joining us, we were talking about this controversy and to me, it's a faux controversy. To me, it's a summertime controversy, much like all-star snubs in baseball, which <laughs> are just so stupid. Nobody actually cares about them, but because nothing else is going on, it gets a little more oxygen than it normally would. But because the Americans led 13 or beat the tie team 13 to nothing, apparently they ran it up and they celebrated too much. And uh, I'm going to do my stony voice here. Oh, the poor babies. Did you run up the score on them? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a freaking World Cup. Yeah. This women's World Cup team is super likable. Some great personalities, Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan, amongst others. I mean, they are really fun and really fun to watch and cool role models for the most part for all these young women in the U.S. and all these young girls. But you just can't be celebrating up 10 nothing. I mean, that, that kind of is ridiculous. Like, if you want to score 13 goals because you're just better than the other team and it's the World Cup, that, that's one thing. But doing line dances while up 12 nothing, 13 nothing, 11 nothing. I mean, that that's where it really does go a little bit too far. You don't have to act like you've been there before. You don't have to not have fun, but you know, let the goal celebrations be at like 4 nothing. Once it gets to 11 nothing, I don't think anybody needs to really be dancing that much anymore. I think the outcome's a foregone conclusion. That's going to do it for us. Tomorrow we'll have a Stanley Cup champion. We'll see you then everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 